0: talk to you today about the the anatomy of a breakthrough. Okay, I want to talk to you about the anatomy of a breakthrough. In other words, the components of a breakthrough. Um, uh, I find this incredibly... uh, I want want us to build faith today. That God is what we've been singing about. If we can't sing it, if we can't do it, we must not sing it, hey. But God is in to seeing things break through. God is in to seeing the impossible become possible. Uh, he still does it today. He still speak wants to speak today. He still wants to work in lives today, and so uh, and uh, I want to encourage us to see faith established and built in our hearts and what God wants to do this year. Not just this year, but for the rest of our lives. I don't think there's a specific time that God wants to break through. I think God just wants to break through all the time. He wants to do things in lives and change, you know, lives and livelihoods. He wants to do amazing things and. And I'm glad that he still does, he's the God who is uh, constantly, he's the God of miracles, he's the God that Jeremiah said that nothing is too hard for the Lord, that's the God we serve. Okay, so um, I was a, there was a time in history that uh, was be, a little bit before my time, but um, when the world, uh, especially the athletes and the, and the uh, coaches of the world thought that the four-minute mile could never be achieved that any, no one could run under four minutes for the mile. A mile, look, for those of us who are just kilometre kind of uh, uh, minded, it's one point, just over 1.6 kilometres a mile is. And so uh, throughout history, uh, actually going back quite a long time, even before this last century, the century before, in the 17th, 18th century, um, there was the belief that no one could run that fast or f- that for that long and so uh, they thought that the bone structure that we had w- didn't uh, support such uh, uh, an ability to go run under four minutes for uh, the mile. It was thought that the lung capacity of athletes could never be able to suck in enough air to run as hard and as far as that in such a short time, and generally they thought that the body had limits and that, that we'd reached our limit. No one will ever do it, and yet in, on an afternoon in 1954, on the 6th of May, a gentleman called Roger Benister stepped up to the starting line with a group of other men. He was only 25, and uh, he ran and uh, he won the race. Uh, but more importantly, more than winning the race, he ran uh, 30. Uh, he ran 59 minutes uh, and uh, oh, sorry, let's get it right. Three minutes, <laughs> not 59 minutes. Three minutes and 59.4 seconds, which you can appreciate is point sixth of a second under the four minute mark so three minutes 59.4 no one thought it was possible and yet the year after he broke the record 300 runners also run less than four minutes for the mile and in 2021 it was recorded that over 1660 athletes have actually broken and achieved the same feat um, that was up to 2021 So we see it just needed someone to say, this isn't impossible, this is possible. And someone like Roger Bannister to train harder, to push a little further and to go beyond what people thought the body could not do. Isn't it amazing? Now, that's a very natural example. And why did that happen? I don't think God intervened that day. I think it was more than likely that Roger Bennister was just a very committed athlete and he achieved what no one else had achieved. He was willing to go train harder. Uh, and do what he had to do to get that milestone but i want to tell you that there's a god because sometimes i don't think we need just new year's resolutions in 2023 i think we need god's solutions in 2023 you know because he wants to intimately get involved in your situation for your good and your uh, future he says he gives us a hope in a future doesn't he And so I'm thankful for that kind of God that we serve. In actual fact, he's the only one true God. There's no others, not only like him, but there's just no others at all. You know, I want to say that God takes the impossible and he makes it the very possible. And, you know, there was a young girl or young lady called Mary who one day, as she was working in her village in Nazareth, an angel came, which was pretty remarkable on its own. But what he said was even more remarkable and he said to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son. If she wasn't surprised already at an angel visiting her, she certainly got surprised at the fact that she was going to be pregnant. And she said to the angel in response, she said, you know what, I don't know a man. In other words, I'm not not with a man. I might be engaged to Joseph, but I'm not. She didn't say all of that, but I'm giving you the longer version. She just said, it's not possible. I don't know a man. And yet the angel then repeated to her or said to her what probably God had repeated to him. And the angel replied, Gabriel the angel it was, he said, with God nothing will be impossible. With God nothing will be impossible. I am so glad that the very, the very foundation of our faith, please understand, is the very foundation of the Christian faith is based on an impossibility becoming possible. Did you know that? So why not be people who would believe for the impossible? Why not believe God for a breakthrough in, in areas, hey? You don't need, as I said, New Year's resolution. We just need God's resol- God's solution. And today, whether it's a destructive habit that needs to be broken and a breakthrough, a pattern of thinking that hijacks our present and our future, whether it's a circumstance that plagued you for quite a long time or maybe physical needs of, of, of disease or ailment or, or financial need, whatever it may be, maybe it's that believing for that loved one who continually resists the, um, the good news of Jesus. I don't know what it may be, but you know today, and you're probably thinking of something you'd just love to see changed. You'd <laughs> it, it, love it to be this month. You'd love it to be this year. You'd love it maybe even to be today. But we want to see it change we want to see it broken through and so often when we do the possible it's a wonderful thing how god can do the impossible because you notice what the angel said to mary he actually said this he says he says um he didn't say um you know he says with god he didn't say it's apart from god he didn't say you can just go and you know you can achieve it on your own and, and we I mean, god has given us great ability and giftings and we do achieve things which is quite remarkable like our like the, the young man Roger Bannister, so many years ago, but the reality is, it says with God. So Mary stood there, and, and, and the angel said, "With God, it's not something that y- you're going to have to do on your own. I'm I'm going to actually bring. I'm going to bring an incredible um, breakthrough with with me, not apart from me. And I think that's where we miss out sometimes, folks. We sometimes think I can do this. I can work harder. I can just if I just do. It. No, no, it's it's with Him that the breakthrough comes, and so. That's what we need to encourage. So in saying all that, let me, um, let me now share with you the anatomy of a breakthrough, or three components of a breakthrough. And I want to turn to a story in 2 Samuel from Old Testament, in chapter 24. And this is what it says. Okay, I'll read it to you. I'm just going to read a few verses. It's, I just want you to grasp this story. It's to do with David. David faced a situation that he needed a breakthrough. In actual fact, he, he, the whole nation of Israel was in a, um, in a plague. Uh, it was a destructive time. Um, the nation of Israel, thousands of people, but actually 70,000 people had died up to this point. And David, now through the prophet Gad, God speaks to him what he needs to do. And so God um, then, and it says in verse 18 of Second Samuel 24, And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up and erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of, um, of, of and I've forgotten how to pronounce it, Arana. Aruna, 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 the Jebusite, okay? Interesting name. So David according to the word of Gad went up as the Lord commanded, and Aruna looked and saw that the king his servant coming towards him, and Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And then Aruna said, "Why has my Lord the king come to his servant?" And David said, "To buy the threshing floor from you to build an altar to the Lord that the plague what the plague may be withdrawn from the people." And now Aruna said to David, Let my Lord the king take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. And then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that with that which costs me nothing. So David brought the threshing floor, and he bought it and the oxen for the fifty shekels of silver, and David built there an altar to the Lord and the offering, and the burnt offerings, uh, offerings and peace offerings, and so the Lord heeded the, what the prayers of the land, and the plague was withdrawn what from Israel. There was a breakthrough. The backstory, as I said, was David, the nation of Israel, had faced incredible plague. Um, 70,000 people had died. If you read the story previous to this, 70,000 people had already died in this situation. And, within, and it was a tragic time, and David just didn't want to see this happen anymore. And so he cried out to God. And there's a number of components within this passage, that just three of them that I can identify, maybe there's more, but that just really talk to us about how breakthroughs happen, um, how that it can unfold. And I want to encourage us and uh, build our faith today as we look at these. That they Actually, how we can receive the impossible become possible. And let's look. Let me just read again. Because uh, number one, uh, we see this in verses 18 uh, to 21. It says, And Gad came that day, I'll say that again to David, and said, get up and erect an altar to the Lord and the threshing floor uh, of the Arunah, the Jebusite. David, according to the word of God, went up as the Lord commanded. He was obedient there, you know. And then Arunah looked and, and, and uh, saw the king coming. In verse 21, And Aruna said, Has my lord the king come to his servant? And David, Why has the lord come? And then David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, To build an altar to the lord. And why? That the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Because God had already given um, uh, David a, a, a word from the prophet Gad. said, If you do these things, That, that the, uh, the actual uh, plague will withdraw and will stop. And so the very first thing, the first component to receiving a breakthrough, receiving an impossibility, is really simple. It's just a promise. A promise. The promise is here, the plague will stop. That's a good promise. So you'd appreciate when you're seeing people die all around you, and uh, you get a promise that it's going to stop. That's a good day, isn't it? You know, that um, it's encouraging. And so we see uh, the plague stopped. Um, so that was uh, it was miracle territory, uh, you know. You, you, you can't stop a plague because usually a plague will continue on for months and have consequences for months, if not years, as we are very well aware right now. It has consequences, doesn't it? And so we see that God moved in on this situation, and it was based upon a promise that David received. God spoke to him through the prophet. Um, prophet gad and said this is what will happen it was a promise and so it it was an anchor for his soul i'm going to tell you what a promise is to you it can be an anchor for your soul when you're facing something that's pretty desperate and pretty difficult or you're wanting to see something change i tell you sometimes i just think that we can neglect to even we just say oh god do it no 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 we just why don't we just seek him and ask him for a promise promise his word is a light to our feet and a lamp to our path isn't it you see, sometimes in life I've discovered that you can get things that happen unexpected blessings, which is really good. Unexpected blessings. They don't even we don't even see it till it comes upon us and and that's why the Bible says, surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. God is so good sometimes. He gives us things and, we, and we, it just, we didn't expect it and it comes our way. You probably receive those type of things. Sometimes we think it's of our good because of our good decisions and our good talents and abilities. But sometimes we just need to stop and think, well, maybe you know, our God is pretty faithful and His mercy and grace follow me all the days of my life. You know, we need to pause sometimes and just say, thank you. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about a different way of that happening, of the promise, of a promise coming. And that's when God can tell us what he's going to do. And it comes in the form of a promise. You know, he could speak to you through reading the Bible, through reading his word. And, he can, and we can claim his word at his promise. And, you know, sometimes you're just reading God's word and you just see a promise in there. It could be a promise like, for, you know, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that a good one just to claim? Especially when you feel like you're lonely and desperate and whatever's happening. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's a good thing because some of us have had people leave us, reject us and pull away. But our God never does that. Okay? So there's a wonderful promise. And you can just be reading God's word, generally reading devotion. And, and it doesn't jump out at you necessarily, but you just claim it. You can claim truth. So know, you know the word of God. I, I sometimes claim this one. It says, you know, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. So what do I need to do for him to draw near to me? Well, actually draw near to him. <laughs> so we just see, generally speaking, we can get a general promise or a, it's claim his word for us. Then, then maybe um, it's not lifting at a level at all, but then sometimes we read God's Word and something jumps out at us that's specifically for us. You ever had that happen? And, and His words become a promise to you for that c- situation and that circumstance. And it's very specific. I remember my wife, Michelle, before we married, probably two and a half years before we married, she was living in a, a, a couple's house. Um, they were Married, and they had no children of their own, but they used to just take some some of the the single young ladies in this church into their house and just give them a room. They'd rent a room out, and and so Michelle was living there. and um, And it was a house um, that could you could never lock. It was a bit of an older style kind of Queenslander, and you could while you could lock the front door, there was a whole lot of other entrances, like other doors that were never locked and could never be locked. There was a single young woman that was a little bit of a concern for her, you know, because I've got to sleep in this house and. And there was a moment in Gladstone's history where a a young man had been murdered with an axe to his head. Sorry to bring that one up, but I don't know if you remember it. I remember it, because it was a bit of a concern. Is there an axe murderer in Gladstone? And anyway, Michelle was staying in this house that could never be locked, uh, and people could come in, a lot of the doors, and uh, the couple who were New Zealanders had gone home to New Zealand. For a holiday for a couple of weeks and the other girl who was living there was just two girls uh, she had actually gone to her parents um, place to live for a little while and so Michelle's living by herself in a house that can't be locked and the, the murder had just happened around the corner from this house so as a young 19 year old uh, or she might have been 20 you could appreciate the, the level of a little element of anxiety came into her heart, and then she was reading her devotions that very week. And as she read the devotion, there was a word that uh, that kind of spoke out: Psalm chapter four, verse eight, and it said this: "To I will, I will lie, you can lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O oh Lord, make me dwell in safety." And she she records to me how she just said, "You got it, God." and uh, instead of a restless night's sleep she just had a peaceful night's sleep in actual fact after that just so you know the the murder was the result of a domestic violence situation so it wasn't a person wandering around with an axe at one o'clock in the morning but who knew at the time okay so i just want to say that to emphasize isn't god so good he can highlight something and give you a promise. And then the other way that can happen, I've discovered with promise, is that we just can have a strong sense that God just has spoken to me. And you might not be reading God's word at that moment, but he's just spoken to you. And it might not actually be, you know, word for word scripture, but it will not also, it will not deny scripture. Scripture will uphold it. But you know it's a word that God has just spoken into your heart. You know God can do that, that inner voice. And you go, wow, where did that come from? It's a thought often better than you could ever think. And it comes into your head. I, was, I re- always remember I was in, I was in a, um, a, a, a unit in Gladstone, in the pines, you know, the big tall pines. And, um, and there was a, a girl from this church who was, coming, who was coming. She lived there with another girl who didn't know the Lord. And uh, I, we all went there for supper one night. And there would have been 10 young people all just having a great time laughing, eating... And uh, the girl who didn't know the Lord came out of her room because she was a bit shy. She went to the kitchen to grab a drink of water. And as she's going through the, through the area, trying to be inconspicuous, God spoke to my heart. Now, I didn't recognize it. And in fact, I rejected it as God's word. But this is what it said. This is the thought that just came out of the blue, folks. I've got to be honest. And I want to put a disclaimer. God doesn't always do this, young guys. But as she walked across in front of me, I, first of all, I went, Oh, pretty girl. That's a pretty lady. And then in my heart, God said, That's the lady you'll marry. And I went, You are joking, God. Where did that come from? That's from the devil. <laughs> She's not even a believer in Jesus. That's the truth. And so I disregarded it, never thought about it. Seven months later, she walks into the church, gives her life to Jesus, got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized the Holy Spirit. And then seven months after that, I got friendly with her. And then a year and a half after that, it's amazing, I married her. Oh, she's just there. There she is. And she hung around. (laughs) So I want to just say that sometimes God gives you a word. It won't always happen like that. Okay, but he can give you something because he knows what you need. I want to tell you, God wants to bring a breakthrough in your life. He wants to bring something that you thought was impossible. He wants to make it possible. And it all starts with a promise. Let's move on because God's promise. It says in verse 22 and 24, the number two. Now, Aruna said to David, Let my lord, the king, take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are oxen for burnt offering and fleshing instruments and yoke and the ox, you know... uh, for the wood, and he, uh, oh, these, uh, all these, O king, O king, Arun has given to the king. Given, given freely. And Arunah said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. And then the king said, Then David said to Arunah, But no, but I will surely buy it from you for for a price, for I will not, I will nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, that, that which costs me what? Nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. If the first component to receiving an impossibility is a promise, the second, I want to say, is receiving the impossibility is a price. A price. All through the Bible, we see God makes a promise and it's activated by paying a price. What God wants to bless me with. And you may say, what God wants to bless me, but I have to pay for it? Well, no, no just hold on a moment. Just hold on a moment. Let me explain it, Okay. Because you and I live by this simple principle. You and I live by it. it we all know if you if you want to run four minute miles, you're going to have to train, aren't you? There's a price to be paid. You know, you know. If if you want to have a happy marriage, folks, you've got to put some effort into it. It's called, It takes work. You know what I mean? Actually talking to the person. You know those type of things. You've got to put some effort in. There's always a price if you want to see a good result. If you want to be employable, you've got to present yourself. If you want to stay in a job, you've got to do the very... You know what I'm saying? There's always a price. But I want to tell you about the incredible mercy and the price that God asked of us. It's incredible. It's incredible. There was a Jesus who actually... There was a whole world that had to pay a price for their sin, And they were going to die in Christless eternity, and yet Jesus stepped in and paid the price. That's the one time that we see. This is the kind of God we serve that He pays the price for us. But in this instant, when we want to see a breakthrough, see the impossible become possible, there's always this price. Let me relate to you a a story very quickly. There was a in one Kings chapter eighteen. There had been a drought for three years. There was a prophet Elijah. And so uh, there was a whole lot of heathen worshippers. They were worshipping Baal. And there was 450 prophets who were worshipping Baal. He was no God at all. He He was just a statue. He was just an idol. He he wasn't God. And Elijah, one man, comes and challenges the 450 and says, Come on, you build an altar, put a cow on top, and ask. what we do is don't put any fire on it. Let your God, Baal, burn it up. Let him consume the, the sacrifice. And after you've tried, I'll do mine. And the, the prophets of Baal went around and they built the altar, put the cow. Three, six hours later, six hours, they cried out to their God. God. Their God did not answer with fire. Elijah says, step aside, gentlemen. Puts, he builds his altar, puts the cow on top, builds a trench around the outside. As he builds the trench around the outside, he asks the servants to come and get three massive jugs of water, pour it on the altar, pour it on the cow, let it run down on the cow, It'd run down on the cow on the altar into the trench. He says, do it again. They did it again. He says, do it again. So, 12, uh, uh, nine big jugs of water were poured on the altar. And then Elijah praises a prayer. He says, oh God, that people may see you basically. And God sends fire and consumes it. The interesting thing about this is they were in a drought. They had been in a drought for three years. There was a famine in the land. And here's the point. The very thing that they had very little of is the price that they had to pay because, that, uh, because Elijah made them pour water on the altar. The very thing. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting as we look at this whole story? Notice uh, the very thing they needed was the very thing they placed on the sacrifice. Have you ever found out the very thing you need is the very thing you have to sow. The very thing you need is the very thing you have to sow. The very thing you're believing for is the very thing you have to give or do. To have the impossibility become a possible will mean that we have to pay a simple price. You know, if, 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 if the price is... If it was financial, God, you, know, you see the principle in God's word, give her the tithe and offering. Oh, but, oh, gee, it's hard to give. I, I need that for myself. No, as you give it, the, the, as you pay the price, it's amazing how he becomes your provider. As you give your time, it's amazing as you say, give your time into the things that God would have you to do in his service for him. It's amazing how he gives it back to you so that you have time to do everything that you, you know is important for you to do. I've found it time and time again, actually. In fact, when I give him time, it's amazing how then I get my priorities in order and I'm able to do those other things so much better than if I didn't give God that time. There's so many illustrations, so many things. If you want to invest in a good relationship, you give the time to it and you'll find it'll come back to you. So there was a little girl who was named Liz, who was suffering from a rare and serious disease. And her only chance of recovery appeared to be a blood transfusion. Uh, and the one person who could help her was a little five-year-old brother. Just, he only turned five because he'd had this rare and incurable disease. And yet, whether it was a miracle or whatever, his body had built up the antibodies that was needed to fight the disease. And he'd overcome it. And he was alive and well and healthy. And so the doctor said to the parents, your little boy is the only chance for your, for your daughter. The, doc- the parents agreed, and then the doctor had that un- interesting conversation with this little five-year-old. Would you be willing to give your blood so your sister can live, basically, was the story. And he hesitated at first. He, he was weighing it up, you know. But then he said, Yes. And so the day came for them to have this blood transfusion. The little boy lay on one bed and his sister on another bed beside him, and they stuck the needles in. You know, and that's a big deal for a little five-year-old to have a big needle in his arm and his blood being poured out and into a machine, spun, and then put into his sister. That's a pretty big deal to have that in your arm. He agreed to it. He went through with it. And it it was a true story. And the the nurses said you could see the color come back into the little girl's face as she lay there with a smile. And where initially the little boy had a smile, now his smile had turned uh, to a frown, and he started to get a little nervous. And he looked up at the a nurse who was who was there with him all the time, holding his hand, and with a trembling voice he says, "Will I start to die right away?" <laughs> Being young, the little boy didn't understand. He thought he was going to have his give his sister have to give his sister all of his blood in order for her to, to save her. But of course, he didn't have to do that, did he? And the nursery assured him and said, no, 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 you're not going to die. It's just that your body will take some of your blood, give it to your sister, and then your body will regenerate your own blood, and you will live, it's okay. He was kind of happy after that. <laughs> but what a sacrifice a little boy would make to think that he, w- he thought, well, i am got to die. So my sister can live. Let's pay that price. And you know, there's many ways that sometimes, folks, in our life, the Bible talks about us dying to self so that we can have life and life eternal through Jesus Christ. Many times, there's that giving. But as I said, Jesus Christ... You know what i found? Every time I pay the price, like the blood in our body is regenerated. We lose any of it, it's regenerated. God regenerates what we need in the process of our giving. He gives us time that we thought when we give Him. He, gives us, he provides for us in our provision when we give of our tithes and offerings. He is a wonderful, incredible, good God because He gives back. That's the mercy and the grace of God. When we make a faith step of commitment of whatever sacrifice or price it may be, it's amazing what He pours back. That's the God we serve. So God's not a taker. He's a giver. And he's just looking for our heart total surrender to him in our price that we pay. And maybe we've never received a breakthrough because we've never bothered to just pay a simple price. Oh no, no, I'm just kind of putting it out there. Putting it out there. You mean, well, that would make God really mean and terrible. No, it doesn't. God just wants your heart. He wants to see where your desire and your passion is. You know, Here's the third thing, and we'll finish with this. In verse 25, David built there an altar to the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded what? Heeded the prayers for the land. And the plague was what? Withdrawn from Israel. The third component, if the first component is... um, is a promise, and the second is a price. The third component to receiving an impossibility, receiving a breakthrough, is prayer. <laughs> uh, you might say, well, that's, that's a given, isn't it? Yeah, but it's amazing how sometimes we can neglect it, hey? Just crying out to God. Um, it wasn't just a sacrifice. It was the engagement with God through prayer and bringing our requests before Him there was a moment in um, the disciples' lives, particularly the disciple Peter. He was in jail for sharing Jesus in Acts chapter 12. And this particular night, the authorities saw it fit to see him as an incredibly dangerous criminal, which he was not. But they chained him in a deep, dark dungeon between two armed guards right, right beside him, chained to them. Um, and if that wasn't enough, he was in a jail and, and there was... There was, it says in Scripture in Acts 12, there was guards outside, and and then it says, interesting, if they didn't put this verse in, it, they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have been trying to make the point. But the point they're trying to make is, it says and the church was in prayer that night, uplifting the Peter and the other disciples in prayer. It literally says that, and it's amazing. At about midnight or around that time, the darkest moment, I suppose, something happened. An angel came into that that uh, got sent by God. An agent came into the prison and uh, woke Peter up. It actually says it had to, I don't know, slap him on the face nearly. It just had to get him up. Peter woke. Now, I don't know what happened to the two guards beside him. I can only assume, the Bible doesn't say, but I can assume they were just put in a deep sleep or whatever. But the chains then fell off his wrists and off his feet. It's, and then the door of the jail opened up by itself and the guards outside for some reason didn't see him walk past them. And then he came to a second um, kind of door, and it opened by itself. And then the third outer gate, and it opened by himself. And he walked out into the street, and before he knew it, he kind of, what's happened? And I want to tell you why, because there was a group of people who were deliberately chosen that we're going to pray for Peter, we're going to uphold him. I want to tell you, sometimes we've missed some of the most incredible opportunities, because we just need to sometimes tarry for that little bit longer, that little bit more. And prayer, it says, with David was a key because it says, as they prayed, the the um, the uh, p- uh, plague was withdrawn. Prayer comes out of our desires. And desires will make you do things that just going through the motions of prayer will never make you do. And we need to, we need to say, Father, I just bring. And often, if it's a real need, I understand that we sometimes. That's when we get desperate, and that's when we start to pray. Well, so be it. Let's get desperate. Let's, get, let's desire. Let's cry out. As the team come this morning, you know what, folks, promise. We need a promise from God because it makes it available. We need a promise. want to see the things change. We need a price because God's attracted to sacrifice. And we need prayer because it changes that which we can't possibly change through self-effort. God is closer than we could ever think and he reaches out to us today. Does he want to do us bad or harm? Not at all. He wants to bless us. He wants to encourage us. Does God withhold things from us? No, he doesn't. His mercies and grace follow us all the days of our lives and sometimes we receive blessings that we didn't even expect or didn't even know until it comes upon us. But is there other things that need to break through? Yep. And he says, come on draw near to me and I'll just draw near to you. I want to do something. Can we stand today as we close? We're going to close in a moment with a song and I want to invite us just to uh, come and worship for a moment. Our God is able. Jeremiah said it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No, nothing's too hard for the Lord. I want I want God to instill more than me. I'm just a man, but God to instill some faith in your heart today, for what He could do, for that situation, for that circumstance, to draw near to Him. And so I'd encourage you. You know, today I just love to pray for you. You know, because I believe that He wants to speak to your heart today. Love to pray, and we just got for the moments and time we have. We. I just invite you, you know, if there's a need within your body this morning, a physical need, I'd love us just to stand and pray together and believe for a miracle today in your physical body. If there's a, maybe another need that, that you're aware of and you'd just like to start that, see that process started, because sometimes I've discovered that, you know, when you cry out to God or the, you, you, you know, you got the promise, you got the, you're paying the price and you're praying and, and, and sometimes things come to about pretty quickly. And then other times, they take time. And we often wonder why that is, but we've just got to trust Him, don't we? In those times, because he's ultimately, it says in the Scriptures that, you know, all things can work together for good to those who, you know, believe in Him. So we see the reality is all things will work together for good. And sometimes at the time, you don't think anything's working together for good, because not all things are good, but they'll work together for good. And so sometimes a, a promise will take time, and I... And I haven't got all the understanding of that. But God knows this. God is seldom early, but he's never late. His timing is perfect. And the other thing about promises is that sometimes you'll get a partial. You'll get a partial answer. But don't be discouraged. Be thankful for that because it's just a sign of what's going to happen in the future. On Christmas Day, I had a partial answer to a 20-year prayer. On Christmas Day just three or so weeks ago. And that answer was that I had some of my family in church here on Christmas morning. And the good news of Jesus was shared. Yes. And after the service, my precious, I'm talking about my one of my sisters, said to me, and this is, this is the question, that I knew it wasn't just a question, a general question, it was really talking about herself. But she said to me, they struggle a little bit with why God would accept people when they muck up all their lives. But then right at the end, he seems to accept them. Can that really still happen? Talking about her own life, I'm sure. And I said to her, because it was kind of a passing comment, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow her. <laughs> she goes, I said, you know what? All I could think of, was, I said, there was a thief on a cross. And he'd mucked up his whole life. And yet on the cross, Jesus said, you'll be with me in paradise because he accepted and and, and uh, he said, you know what? He said to the other thief who was abusing Jesus, he says, "Stop that! He's there because he's perfect. We've done things wrong," and and so ultimately showing his heart that he, you know, accepted what Jesus was—the Son of God. And Jesus said, "You'll be in paradise." And that was the tw- that was the eleventh hour, wasn't it? And that's the way how God works. And so I'm just saying that to say, you know, I saw a partial breakthrough. And it's been maybe more than 20 years. I continually, most days of my life, just pray for my family. Because they're coming to the end of their lives. And I want them to know Jesus before they go. Is that cool? What about you today? What do you need to see? Come on, let's worship this song. And as we do, we're going to take just a moment. I'd invite you if there's a need within your body, just a thing you want to present before God. Why don't we just come before him, the elders of the day, and say, come on, let's step out in faith. Sometimes faith means just stepping out of what you're comfortable with and say, God, I just present it to you. We're not going to do anything silly. We just simply pray with you, stand with you, believe with you. And, uh, and look, the truth is, if you have to go, that's okay. You go, please. You don't have to um, wait for everything to finish here. Just that's fine. I understand. Go and have a cup of coffee, actually. Go and get a tea. That's fine but I just invite you. How about we sing? Come on, team.